0: Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today we are climbing to new heights by exploring the world of mountaineering books. I am joined by Eric Reith, the library manager at the American Alpine Club. The club has a long history. Founded in 1902, it's located in Golden, Colorado. It's a non-profit organization and its mission is to share and support its passion for climbing and respect for places that are climbed. The club's library is an important benefit offered to its members. There are more than 50,000 books in the American Alpine Club Library covering mountaineering history, mountain culture and climbing routes. There are also maps and historical artifacts. Quite simply, The library contains a remarkable collection of books on mountaineering, books that are historically important and books that are practically important if a member is keen on tackling a particular mountain. Welcome Eric. Hello Richard, nice to be here today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Can you start by telling us when the genre of mountaineering literature first began?
1: Yes, uh, the earl- uh, the earliest book that we have is on the admiration of mountains by Conrad Gesner, and that was written in 1541. Um, the book is a vellum binding and it has Latin text. It's actually the introductory letter to a seemingly unrelated pamphlet called on milk and milk-related substances. And to our knowledge, it's the earliest printed example of the mountains being looked at as a place of recreation, so a place where you can improve. Um, both your physical uh, body and your mental health. Um, I'd say the genre kind of rose in popularity in the mid 19th century, and that coincides with um, like first a sense of mountains like the Eiger in 1858 and the Matterhorn in 1865. And a lot of the literature, the early literature, focused on the Alps. Um, that's just where people were climbing at the time, and then. It's really interesting kind of watching as the years go on you kind of see uh, the literature expand to uh, like the Caucasus Mountains or um, eventually into the Himalaya
0: right (laughs) now uh, perhaps you can describe how your library actually works how it helps your your members and I'm particularly interested to hear if, if a member can take out a book and then take it on a climbing expedition with them
1: yeah, um, I'll start a little bit with the history of the library, because we still carry on the um, original mission. So in 1916, the library was started by uh, a donation from a single member, uh, Henry Montagnier, and he had a large collection. Um, he was living in Europe at the time, so his collection focused a lot on uh, the Alps and other European mountains. Um, but 1916 wasn't a great time for things in Europe. There was a World War going on, so he sent his book over, books over to the United States for safekeeping. Um, And once that sort of got established, other members realized uh, what a great resource it was having a centralized location where uh, everyone could access the shared material. Um, Internet wasn't around back then, so um, just the printed books that people were able to acquire or Um, Photos and maps, it just wasn't as common as today or easily accessible. So um, people, members knew that they had a place where they could uh, go to to access that information. And we still do that today with our circulating collection. Um, Members can, if they're local, they can just come in and peruse the library like any other library. And if they're not local, we have an online catalog where they can log in or request books and we'll mail them to them. And all they have to do is pay the shipping on the way back. So we take care of everything up to when they need to return the items. Oh, uh, and then I was just going to mention how um, assisting the members that way was kind of the original mission. But then once that collection got started, um, our mission kind of evolved into also preserving the mountaineering history. They realized at one point, like, hey, we have all this really significant. Like pieces of you know of of books and and photos and maps. So uh, currently, we're also working to just
0: maintain and preserve um, just what has now become you know rare mountaineering items. So. Right, and and does the does the library include fiction? We're about five
1: hundred works of fiction. Um, so that's things like the Eiger Sanction or. Banner in the Sky, those two are pretty popular. Both were made into movies, and we have, in addition to the books, we have both of those on DVD and VHS. Um, and then there's also some poetry books. Uh, we have a small children's section. Um, but yeah, since, as you mentioned in the intro, we have over 50,000 items, and only about 500 of them are fiction. Just the genre itself just mainly leans into the non-fiction realm um, just kind of due to the nature of you know a little bit more scientific or
0: uh, recounting things that people have done It sounds like you've got a remarkable collection there what, what's the most valuable book in the library? Um, the most valuable
1: is John Gould's A Century of Birds from the Himalaya Mountains uh, so it's this massive folio uh, came out in 1833 it's got uh, 80 hand-collared lithographic plates, and those are all hand-collared by his wife, Elizabeth. Um, and I've seen it online recently uh, for $50,000, and the most expensive we've seen it sold for is $400,000. So it's it's quite a range, but um, from the little bit I've looked into the book. Since we get this question a lot, it seems like there's a lot of nuance between uh, different edition, um, and then, uh, opposed to the monetary value. We've also got some really unique pieces that they just don't come up for sale. Um, so we have a copy of the Fight for Everest, 1924, um, and that's a historical account, the official account of the expedition uh, that the British put on to Everest, and that's where um, George Mallory and Andrew Irvine they kind of disappeared into the clouds. Uh, and what makes our copy unique, well, we have multiple copies, but uh, one of the copies we have has all of the signatures from every expedition member um, pasted inside of it, including George Mallory and Andrew Irvine, who never returned from that expedition. So, right. so it's kind of priceless. Um, and the only way we would know you know, what someone would pay for it uh, in a monetary value would be to sell it, and we're not really planning on doing that.
0: So it's taken us uh, about five or six minutes to get onto the subject of Everest. Um, Do you, you must have an Everest section?
1: Yeah, we actually have two Everest sections. Um, So we use the Library of Congress classification, so we have a historic Everest section, and then we have a guidebook Everest section. Um, so at the very least there's two sections. And then that doesn't include uh, Everest being what it is. It pops up in
0: you know every book that's talking about iconic mountains. And the, the, the rest of the library is that divided up by by mountain ranges, so Alps, Himalayas, and so forth.
1: Yeah. and, and again, um, similar to the Everest section, there's going to be, there's the historic sections where you can find all about like the Alps history or something like the 10th Mountain Division you can find those histories and then in a different section you'll find the hiking guides climbing guides trekking guides Um, so it's kind of easy when people come in looking for something specific you just they'll come in and
0: they'll say I'm looking for something on Everest or the Alps and you say uh, history, or are you planning on going? And then you're able to kind of direct them to a different spot. So my reason that I I started to uh, become interested in, in mountaineering books was that I was reading a book about George Mallory, who you've already mentioned. Now, uh, as as we all know, Mallory was involved in the first three attempts to climb Everest, uh, and then, as you say, disappeared on the third along with Irvine. Um, he seems like a really important figure um, how many books do you have that simply address the the, the life of George Mallory
1: um, number wise I don't know I know it's quite a few because um, he's kind of his legend is, is almost just as big as, as Everest so um, you know there's all the specific biographies on him and um, if you throw in the expedition he was on as well so like the Everest uh, Fight for Everest 1924 you'd kind of consider that um, at least part of his story um, yeah there, there's quite a few and then just because of the legend that exists he pops up um, just in, in countless other books just where someone is is mentioning like that they were inspired by by Mallory or more specifically um, he's most well-known, I think, for uh, being asked by a reporter, like, why are you going out to climb climb Everest or, or these mountains? And he responds with, because it's there. So pretty much in, I'd say, like 90% of the books where someone is asked, why are you climbing mountains? Or they're trying to, you know, define to their reader why it is they're doing what they're doing, that because it's there kind of comes up. So his fingerprints on... on A lot of books even the ones that aren't entirely about him but the ones that we have specifically about him are i'd I'd say there's probably more than 30 books specifically on him um especially after his body was found in 1999 and then all of a sudden he becomes an in vogue topic again and then you see you know a slew of of new books that come out talking about his life
0: yeah definitely an interesting person um Survived World War One and then uh, was involved in these three attempts. And and the first one, right, it, it was. It sounds like it was really um, an exploratory uh, expedition to find which way mm-hmm. you would go up. And then at the end, they thought, oh, what the hell? Well, while we're here, we may as well have a go. And he got pretty close to the top on that yeah. first one. So, I think if we move into the modern age of books about uh, mountaineering. Um, the really obvious one is John Krakauer's Into Thin Air. So that cop, that book has sold millions and millions of copies. However, I know it's mm-hmm. quite controversial. Um, now, did it has that book helped or hindered mountaineering? Um, that's kind of a tough question because I
1: think it, it depends on whom you're asking. Um, so, kind of when the book came out is when. Those commercial expeditions be- started becoming more and more popular, um, just meaning that more and more people were already going to the mountains. So then, when a tragedy strikes, uh, especially one of that magnitude, all of a sudden it's all over the news. Um, and now you have people who wouldn't normally think about climbing Everest start realizing, oh, climbing Everest is an option if, if I can pay enough money to get one of these guiding companies. Um, so I'd say some of the people who might say it helped mountaineering would probably be some of the people on the financial side. Um, you know, the, those guiding companies that are now getting uh, more clients because the clients know that it's a possibility. Um, also, the local communities probably l- look at it as, as helping mountaineering. Uh, like uh, tourist uh, economies were able to develop just with an influx of of people now heading into. You know Everest, or even just taking treks to Everest Base Camp to look at this iconic mountain with so much history. Um, on the opposite end of that coin, uh, there's probably you're going to have people who are saying the influx of climbers coming to the area that's not that they're they're not necessarily real mountaineers, so they're putting people's lives in danger, or. um... Pointing out that the influx in people coming into the area is also leaving more garbage and human waste behind, um, and then um, mountaineers are kind of a stubborn bunch, so you'll have a lot of people complaining about the ethics of mountaineering. So um, they would probably consider it a hindrance, um, kind of considering it like defiling, you know the 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 way you're supposed to climb a mountain.
0: How do you mean?
1: Yeah. Um. Everyone. Everyone believes that they know the right way to climb a mountain, <laughs> and they're not going to waver on that. So, um, if we if we use Mallory as an example, they did what what would be described as siege tactics. So, you know, setting up camps on the way up to the mountain. Um, and that's just the way things were done at that time so it was acceptable Um, whereas now modern mountaineers um, like the extreme ones would consider potentially um, like alpine style would be the only way so you can kind of you can set up some small camps but essentially you've got to go up the mountain fast and you can kind of only take what you can carry so the paradigm kind of shifts and it's at least in my experience, it seems like whatever paradigm you grew up with is the only right way. Um, so, like I said, there's, there's tons of arguments uh, on, on on the correct way to
0: climb a mountain. Right. Um, so if some people have a huge support network that involves I mean, Mallory took along tables and uh, huge numbers of uh, Sherpas <laughs> to look after each camp. Um, that's not considered the right way by some some mountaineers. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and with today, um, so kind of like the guided expedition that happened during Into Thin Air, or I think it was either New York Times or Time Magazine uh, over the summer. That image of Everest with the long lines, um, like people just waiting to essentially pull themselves up on a rope that. Um, Triple Porters had set up, um, like, people would look at that and consider it, like, sure, you're making it up a mountain, but you've never really climbed a mountain or climbed the mountain. Um, It's just a lot of nuanced and and finicky uh, ideas, but...
0: I understand. Um, So back to the club, Mm -hmm. so you've got uh, all sorts of benefits for members, but interestingly, you're also a small Mm -hmm. press and you publish a couple of journals and one of them really caught my eye Um, it's got a grim title Accidents in North American Climbing Um, but I believe this is actually this journal serves a pretty important purpose can you explain it to us?
1: Yes, Uh, Accidents in North American Climbing, like you said it's a very grim title Um, it's kind of one of the first things that people see when they, they walk into the library just the way it's set up so you kind of see people look at it. They see the title, and it's just kind of the thought of this is a morbid book. Uh, but once you once you open it up and look inside, it's it's detailed accounts of um, it's documenting the accidents that have taken place in Canada, the United States, and Mexico throughout the year. So it's um, self-submitted accounts from people who have experience these accidents and they're um, describing what happened, uh, what they think went wrong, and then after their account there will usually be a little tidbit from um, I guess quote-unquote experts or you know people with a lot of mountaineering experience kind of doing a rebuttal on just ways that that accident might have been prevented or uh, ways it could have been mitigated. Um, so, so it's a very educational book that, like I said, once you flip it open, you realize that it's a a great resource just to kind of make you aware of things you may not have even been thinking of, um, and just helping to make sure that, uh, you're climbing in just a safer way and mitigating some of the, the
0: inherent risks of mountaineering. So how is a, how is an accident reported to the club? Um, there are a few ways, um... They
1: have the publications department. They have some connections with um, search and rescue um, departments kind of around the country. A lot of it's self-reported, that you can just go online to the American Alpine Club website. Um, There'll be a drop-down window somewhere, and you can report your own accident. Because not everything is severe. Um, Sometimes the accident is, I slipped my foot got caught in the rope and I ended up twisting my ankle um, and then there's the extreme accidents that um, obviously are reported because they're you know result in a mass evacuation or um, or like a fatality so it kind of has a wide range and those 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 simple ones are just self-reported through the website um,
0: so if a, if a climber um, gets caught in a blizzard would would that count as an accident, or is it mm-hmm. always a physical, uh, some sort of physical damage? No, that
1: would count. Um, so, so an example of that would be, uh, like the rebuttal to that would be, they, they, like you should always check the weather or make sure you have, you know, adequate clothing in case you get lost. Um, so that would definitely count as as an accident as well.
0: Okay. Um, so i'm i'm not a mountaineer but i do enjoy reading mountaineering books uh, I, I love the idea of reading about people who are doing extraordinary things um, is there a perhaps there's a mountaineering book that you could recommend something maybe that we'd find in your library but perhaps not in a regular bookshop
1: yeah so the book i recommend the most it came out in 2016 so it's, it's not a little more relatable than some of the older ones, but it's called The Bond by Simon McCartney, and um, that's recounting, like, its main focus is two um, big climbs in, in Alaska. I, I believe it was one of them was on Denali's southwest face, and the other, I believe, was uh, Mount Huntington's north face, so two kind of remote peaks in Alaska. Um, and it just has the... Know, classic action-adventure action part of a lot of mountaineering books. Um, but it, it also has, like, a great emotional aspect that it, because the bond that it's talking about is kind of the bond between uh, the author and his climbing partner that you see kind of developing throughout the book. So it's, it's both exciting and kind of really pulls you in on an emotional level.
0: And couldn't the bond also between, be between the climber and the mountain? Ooh, it could be. I haven't thought about it that way. <laughs> um, Says me who's never climbed a mountain in his life. I once walked up to Snowdonia in Wales, but that's not hardly climbing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it <laughs> yeah, they're, they're
1: definitely very passionate about it, So, um, and it, it is something that you know, people chase so uh, I'll, I'll have to reread it because it's been on my, my list and I'll have to reread it with that lens in
0: mind uh, Final question um, What, which we ask to all our guests what book or books are you currently reading?
1: Um, well it's winter and it seems like every winter I start reading about Arctic or polar exploration uh, type books so I just started and this is one of the the 500 fiction books that I, I mentioned, um, it's called Starvation Shore by Laura Waterman. And it's a historic fiction and it's following the Lady Franklin Bay Expedition that took place in the early 1880s. And it was an American expedition into Greenland and they were trying to set up, um, an outpost up in Greenland and I've like had I I just started it and I haven't researched any of it because I don't want to spoil it, but, um, I'm, I'm judging by the title, Starvation Shore. Uh, things aren't going to go according to plans. And um, as with most Arctic books, they'll probably get stranded for a while. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of grim, but I'm assuming tragedy is is coming down the road in that, in that book. But
0: I think it is. It's, it's been s- good so far. So that's not the original
1: Franklin <laughs> expedition? No, it, 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 it was um, a, a follow-up. Right. So, it was after I think the original Franklin expedition is uh, where they they named the bay, and then this yeah. one was supposedly going to be a, a better thought out expedition
0: to to explore further north. Yes, but as you say, I think the title gives it away. <laughs> yeah all right, um that's all we have time for this week. Um, Eric, many thanks for joining us. Yeah, and thank you. It was a pleasure to talk to you today. Yeah, lovely. That's Eric Rees, who is the library manager at the American Alpine Club in Golden, Colorado. Uh, You can learn more about the club and its resources at its website, which is AmericanAlpineClub.org. And we hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us.